Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the modalidade on BTV, you can now catch the recaps and also modalidade talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between a Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até à morte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Benfica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasas. With me, as always, Dave de Oliveira. What's happening, Dave? Nothing much, Alfredo. Great to be back on here tonight to discuss all things uh, Benfica, and uh, we got another win. That's right. With us uh, tonight also, Cristiano Oliveira, the man, the myth, the legend. I don't know what else you could call him, but there's so many adjectives that you could find for Cristiano Oliveira. All of them good, obviously. Cristiano, it's been a while. We missed you. I'm, I'm Tell the happy everybody one. where you've been. We could just go by with the. Uh, we could just go with the happy one. I'm the happy one. I'm the glad positive one. Here. No, no, the happy. I'm happy. I'm happy that I'm back here on the podcast to speak with my brothers. I'm happy to get another opportunity to speak about Benfica. I'm happy that there is positive things to talk about. It's it's a much better spell. A much better atmosphere than the last time I was here on the podcast. And ultimately, man, I mean, I'm extremely excited and thankful. Uh, as I said, happy because uh, you guys were able to come to terms with my agent. I got a much better deal than I had before. My conditions have definitely been improved. So I'm glad to, you know, that I've signed on for the next 15 years here on the podcast. Uh, I'm glad that my uh, contract has been uh, upgraded and renewed. So thank you again. Happy. And I'm glad to be speaking to all you guys once again, man. Benfica is, is, is in here. We all go through ups and downs. We have some tough times, some good times. But at the end of the day, we always have Benfica to fall back on and And, and cheer us up on on when things go well and also bring us down when things aren't going well. But nonetheless, we're here. I'm excited. And Carrega uh, Benfica, let's go. Let's get this party on the road, baby. It's not official until you're taking a, a picture next to that giant jersey. Remember that. Well, if he's going to show up in a suit, I don't want to take a picture of him. That means he's shipping me out, but. The track suit is you're good to go. The jumpsuit, the fat trainu, you're a starter. You're starting. 
the, the suit, bro, is just like, listen, this is gonna it's be- all business. It's, it's nothing gonna, but a business transaction. It's going to be one of those memories. You're going to hang it up in your living room like it mattered. But nobody's ever going to you're not going to have any other pictures of yourself on the field. So this is the one picture you're going to have the one memory. So we're, I'm going to look good for you. So. Uh, yeah. So so um, on tonight's podcast, episode 404. Uh, we will look back at the uh, Paso Ferreira game. We'll look ahead to Gil Vicente is what we have. But because Cristiano hasn't been here in a while, uh, and, and certainly, what is this now? Seven clean sheets, seven undefeated games, that Dave? Yeah, More or six, less? Uh, six in the league, one in the toss in between there. So, yeah, seven. Yeah. But so I want to, Cristiano, how are you feeling about this Mifika team, man? Uh, bro, this is this is what we all anticipated coming into the year. This is what I was extremely excited about. The coaching staff, some of the new additions to this club. Uh, coming into the year, we had this, you know, this is where that excitement came from. But uh, unfortunately, as we know, things didn't get off to the best of starts. Uh, we tried our very best to keep things positive. I tried to to to, to defend. <laughs> My boy, JJ, and I, you know, as you guys know, I've said it multiple times, and I think even you agreed, guys, even you guys agreed with me in terms of when Benfica went through that spell of giving up two goals a game. I guarantee just put two goals down, we're giving up two. And we even said the biggest haters of JJ um, and, and his coaching staff, even those guys have to admit that this is unlike JJ's teams. And, and, and so that's where the question of the whole COVID and the practice. And so when you see these last handful of games and our results and, and the fact that we've been able to tighten things up in the back and not leak goals, it gives that argument more credence because now Benfica is playing one game a week. They have time to, to, to get familiar with the system. He has time to rotate his guys in and out and get everybody on the same page. And once he's done that, this team has totally flipped the switch and, and, and they're playing fantastic football. And as I've said, this is what we all anticipated coming into the, to, to the season. This is what the, the positive and all that, that hoopla and all that excitement <clears throat> in the preseason, this is where, this is what we all expected. And so I'm glad that, you know, they're finally able to put it together. <coughs> and, um, and, you know, hopefully they keep it on. They keep it going for the rest of the year. I mean, there's still, what is it, eight games left? <laughs> and we have to yeah. win every single one of them. And there's, there's, you know, Sporting's been tripping up, as I've said to you guys multiple times. These young players are going to start feeling the pressure at some point. Are they starting to feel it? We'll see. They got themselves another very tough match this weekend. <clears throat> a Porto uh, Apostle, one of those Porto, Porto guys will be leading the way. Head coach at Florence, you know, he's going to try to make things tough. For, for Sporting. So we'll see, man. Benfica has to stay on their path, <coughs> win their games, do what they have to do. And no Phoenix Fazer's contest. So let's see. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, yeah, look, uh, I think that uh, Cristiano, it, it, it's a shame that Cristiano hasn't been here to see this transformation, if you will, of Benfica. Um, but it's good that he's been watching and he knows what's. Uh, What's going on? Um, but, uh, Dave, let's, let's get right into this, uh, Pas Ferreira game. Uh, Benfica started with, uh, Helton and Gol, Verissim, Otamendi, Vertongen in the back, Gonçalves and Grimaldo, uh, Weigel, Tarapt in the middle, Rafa, Waldschmidt and Seferovic up front. Dave surprised that, uh, that he went back to the, the three, uh, center back, uh, setup. 
Uh, surprised in a way, but maybe uh, a little bit that he's showing some respect for, for Pasuj. Uh, like we had said before the match, that they were one of the uh, stronger teams in the uh, the league this uh, this season. So uh, maybe lining up with the, the three across the back with uh, Grimaldo and uh, Diogo Gonzalez playing as the, the wing backs there gives you, uh, shores up the uh, defensive line there. Uh, luckily for us, uh, we weren't uh, tested as much uh, in the third and the uh, final third there uh, from Pashus, uh because of uh, the, the red card. But uh, going into the match, I think it was a, a strong lineup to to field against one of the, uh, the stronger clubs in the uh, Portuguese league. Yeah. Chris, um, what's your take on, on the flip-flopping between the the four center backs and the three center backs you think that it's it's according to what games ask for or you think that at this point the team is comfortable playing in both setups um i think verissimo brought in a, a, a different um defensive liability to the back he he was able to tighten things up we all like the work that, you know, Vertonghen and Otamendi, Otamendi, not Otamendi, Jesus Christ, Otamendi have uh, displayed so far this season. But this guy's brought a different type of, <clears throat> of what's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, consistency. Consistency yeah. in the back. And and, and I think um, he's been able to, 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 to give the team a different look and different options. Obviously, if he could play in a two-center-back setup, they could play in a three-center-back setup. I think they're very comfortable at this point, as I've said before. Uh, with the one game a week now, it allows this team a lot more practice time, and I like to think that JJ's implementing those tactics at practice in order for these guys to get more acquainted with one another. And you see the team's obviously picked up their levels of play. But as Dave said, I think it was a sign of respect for what Bas Freire has done this year. I think what we've seen with JJ and <clears throat> converting to a three-man uh, setup in the back, the higher, the greater the difficulty of the game, I think he implements that. Now, when it's a game where he foresees or anticipates Benfica or going to have a ton more possession, they're going to really, basically, in other words, they're going to be living on the opposition's uh, midfield. Um, then there's no need for three center backs. You need another guy, another PZ in the middle, another guy to control the ball, move the ball around. So I think he's making those those decisions based on each opponent each week. And at the same time, look, it's it's an opportunity to get Vertonghen in um, and play the three guys in the back. I don't think he wants to really go away and all of a sudden discard Vertonghen to, to the bench. So it allows him to maybe give Vertonghen a game off, two games off, and then bring in the three center back and keep everybody happy because, you know, at this stage of the season, you, 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 it's important that you keep everybody positive. You keep everybody with that, you know, uh, confident and, and happy at the same time. So I think he's doing a good job juggling everything. Um, I know some fans still aren't happy with some of the decisions, but look to me, it ain't broke. Don't fix it, baby. And right now, all things are, are going well for this team and uh, whatever JJ is doing, all the buttons he's pressing, um, you know, coming out stars. So fantastic. I, I could not be, be happier. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm absolutely ecstatic that this team's finally been able to get some consistency and, and they're playing well. Yeah, no. And for me, I mean, you could take, you, you mentioned a couple of things, but you could pinpoint a couple changes that have been made that have resulted or have provided the, the right results. Right. So, uh, number one, we have, uh, the switch with, with Helton and, and Vlako Dimush and Dave and I spoke about it, uh, last week. Uh, in terms of 
there are some differences between the two, but the one point that I argued, and I think Chris, you and I have, have discussed this is the fact that Elton with the fact that he can come out of his line and come out, it can dominate the box gives some confidence to the center backs too. Uh, and I think that when the center backs in, in I, myself, I played as a center back when you have a guy behind you, uh, that gives you the confidence that he has it, that he has your back, then you play a lot more relaxed. There's a lot more that you can control in terms of your your, your approach, your mental approach or how you're going to approach plays. Absolutely. And also, don't forget and don't discount the fact that the way J.J. likes to play, likes to set up his teams. And we talk about how he always wants that huge high press with a high line, right? And in particular, when you're playing against these teams in the Portuguese league, as I mentioned before, Benfica is really going to live in their in, in their own half and the opposition's half. It gives, as you stated, the center backs a little bit more cover because now, realistically, our goalkeeper's playing as a sweeper. And so it allows your, your line defensively to be pushed up and you're able to squeeze the opposition and then it be, the field becomes much shorter. And I think Benfica, with the addition of Elton to the starting lineup, it allows them to do that. Now, look, I know there's plenty of people that are upset about Blanco Dimas. And look, he's a nice guy. Really nice guy. I like the guy. He's a nice guy. I've had the privilege of speaking to him. Really nice guy. But the fact of the matter is, look, in between the pipes, he's got cat-like reflexes. No one could dispute that. But aside from that, with playing... No pun intended. (laughs) Exactly. With playing with his feet, being able to come out for crosses, holding on to the crosses, which is most important. As as you guys that have listened to the Benfica podcast over the years know that I've been bitching and complaining about why is it that he punches everything out. It gives the opposition another crack at it. It gives when he just punches it out. When the ball's punched at it, kicked at his chest and he punches it, he parries it away for a corner. You're rather than retaining possession, you're giving the opposition another scoring opportunity because any corner kick is always a scoring opportunity. And then therefore, with help and in, he's able to hold it on. Start the fast break, counterattack, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, Benfica does not concede possession. You're taking the ball away from the opposition. And when the opposition does not have the ball, they can't score. Right or wrong. Unless these guys are, you know, pulling uh Ferenc or whatever, scoring two on goals. But that's you know, that happens. Those those types of things happen. Uh but if the opposition doesn't have the ball, they can't score. And I think he gives Benfica that confidence, that luxury of, you know, as I said. Playing as a sweeper, allowing the defense to be a little bit more lax, allowing guys to push up, squeeze in the opposition. And so I think, look, uh, I was told, and Alfredo, you know, we've had these conversations off the year. I was told at the beginning of the year to, to expect any moment uh, for, for Helton to, 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 to be given the nod over, over Flaco Dimas. It took longer than I anticipated. It took longer than, I was, than what I was told, but it was a matter of time, and whoever told me was 100% correct. And, uh, you know, J.J. pulled the trigger. And uh, I know a lot of people are unhappy, but when you go, what is it, six hundred, um, six games or whatever they set now, a Europe a top five, a top six so far in the European football. They they've got the record for most goals without conceding. I mean, most games without most minutes, I should say, without conceding a goal. I think that that speaks for 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 the decision. It speaks for you know the fact that this guy had the balls to do so when many other people wouldn't have done it, and uh, it's it's obviously been the correct decision. Numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. Dave, another change that he's made has been at that right back position. So, so longer the, the, the days where Gilberto used to be the starter, obviously with Gonçalves now has taken over that role and has done well, has scored a couple goals for Benfica now. But that's another change that JJ has made and that it's worked out well. 
For sure. And you can even just see it in this game uh, as an example. First half, we have uh, Gonzalez playing there on, on the right-hand side. No liability whatsoever. And then uh, we go into the half with a three uh, up 3-0. Brings in Gilberto and God almighty, I, uh, I we were winning. But the things I was seeing from Gilberto left me uh, scratching my head. And, and there's a reason why uh, Gonzalez uh, plays, uh, plays in that position now because... Uh, if he's just messy with the ball and he's, it, you can tell that he's not first team quality for, uh, for Benfica, which JJ brought him into this, uh, the, into the squad. He was one of JJ's signings, but uh, it just hasn't worked out for Gilberto. I'm going to say something that I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for, but I, I, I expected, and I know he's played decent of lately, right? He's had the tremendous free kick goal against Arsenal. Nice score to goal this weekend. But and I know a lot of people are, are Google Gaga over his play, but and I'm not criticized because he's been okay. But I don't think he's been as good as people say he's been. <clears throat> Has he been better than Gilberto? Without a shadow of a doubt. But I don't think he's been. I, I expected even more from him. I expected him to be better. To be honest, do you think he's uh, Chris? Do you think he's at a level of an Andre Almeida? I mean, I, I I can't wait. Andre Almeida at his best. I no. I expect I, I I think he has the ability, and I expected him to to be even better than another. But I too inconsistent, and and this to me <clears throat> is a guy that was a winger or midfielder throughout his whole career, national team level. And there's just times, there's lapses in games that I'm like, what the like? I, I expected him to be better at this point. And again, yeah. I'm not saying he's been bad. Please don't. And I don't get slack. I'm not saying he's been bad. I just thought he'd be better. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I yeah. think I thought it and, and, and I'll tell you, I'm <laughs> in this three five two or three five one uh, th- three five three four three three five one one, whichever whatever formation he clicks with or th- whatever you the the, the 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 media wants to portray that day. Um I'm I, I'm excited to see Andre Almeida back. I think one thing we've 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 learned to appreciate is Due to, you know, obviously him being out with his injury and to the players, Gilberto, and even Gonzalo, uh, Gonzalo uh, Diogo Gonçalves, I should say. <laughs> wrong, wrong Gonçalves. Diogo Gonçalves, to a certain extent, I, I think we've learned to appreciate Andre Almeida a little bit. I think a lot of people have learned to appreciate him. Maybe, just maybe, he's not as bad as we all anticipated or we all thought he was. And that, that's yeah. not to say he's great, but that's just, you know, he's a guy that could pick out a cross. He's... Sometimes he's got a, but 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 that's fine. But see, here you go. You're able to knock him and say sometimes where the Diogo Salves, who was an attacking player for all of his career, picks out a pass sometimes as well. I thought he could be better in the final third as well, and he hasn't yeah. been. So it's really see that's that's just goes back to the whole thing with Svetovic when I started defending Svetovic, right? And we'll get to that. But it's. When Svetovic misses, it's get this guy out of here. He's a bum. He's not a Benfica player. But when the $25 million man is in front of the goal and he misses the goal, nobody criticizes. And it's the same thing. When this kid who's a young kid, I get it, but I think he could be better. Nobody says a word, but under Almeida gets a cross wrong and, oh, he could be better. Wait, so could the other guy. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just pointing out that as good as he's been, I think he could still be even better. Uh, Maybe with experience and, and, and more comfort. Right, because players, the more minutes you get, the more comfortable you get yeah. on the field. Maybe he gets to that point, but I just I expected like if 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 his weaknesses or his lapses were defensively, oh, I'd, 
I'd be a hundred percent okay. Like, okay. I mean, unless it was effort, it was an effort thing, right? But if he was getting, if he was out of position and he was struggling to adapt to that right back, okay. But the thing is, when he's coming on the right wing and and he's gotten some crosses, right? But I think there's a lot of times where he just leaves a lot to be desired. I expected more, so that's that's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, so as as they've mentioned, uh, Gonçalves getting us on the board uh, in the 38th minute, but not uh, or actually. Before that, we had uh, Passos, which up until that moment was playing a pretty even game uh, against us. And obviously, Passos, as we mentioned last week, has been the Cinderella story of this uh, league so far. Uh, but uh, Stephen Yustakiu, a uh, fellow Canadian, uh, picked up a, a red card after a very careless uh, tackle on Julian Weigel. And initially, the ref branded the the yellow card but uh after uh, VAR and and I think this is this is a perfect example uh why VAR should exist is uh when they review cards they could see the seriousness of a foul and, and certainly it was a very uh dangerous uh foul uh by Ustaki and I don't um, I don't question whether or not it was on purpose but certainly studs up above the ankle uh that without the ball that's going to be a red card all day, especially when you hit somebody or there's an intent there. Um, and certainly you can complain all you want about the uh, red card. Uh, but in my eyes, and I think that in a lot of people's eyes, and now that we've seen the, the, the multiple replays and also the pictures, um, it's a red card. There's nothing to it. But they've certainly the red card for, for Yustakiu conditioned the game. Now, Benfica all of a sudden has more possession, has more control of the ball. Uh, and now Pasuj is now forced to back up into their defense with one less guy. Yeah, they, uh, but they didn't, if you, uh, if you remember, they didn't make a change right away. They didn't change, uh, take off a, uh, a striker and change their, their uh, formation that way to bring on a defensive guy. They left the, they left the same guys on the field. Uh, to finish off the the half, but you can definitely see that they they were pushing uh, back more and not going um, as forward as much. Uh, mind you, Benfica at that point uh, towards the uh, the end of the first half was uh, was really pushing and trying to get that that goal there towards the end of the uh, the first half. Um, but but yeah, you gotta usually when we see these smaller clubs in Portugal, they'll they'll make the substitution right away to take off a striker and bring on uh, either somebody to replace Ishtakio in the uh, the center mid or bring on a defensive more defensive player. But uh, Postures left the their players on uh, to finish the second half and just played with the the same squad going forward. Yeah, well, when you when you back up when you drop your lines. Um, now all of a sudden you're reducing the space in the midfield. So you don't necessarily have to replace it when you're playing with three guys in the middle. Uh, you just make it, make the field more compact and, and you're going to make sure that there's no space in between those lines. And that's what Pasuj did. But if he could score the goal, then Pasuj all of a sudden has to come out and play because they were going to get pulverized if they, they, if they just sat back there. Uh, and then it opened up, uh, more room, uh, The two nothing came from uh, from Rafa after an assist, a brilliant assist by Seferovic, and then not too uh, far after that, Seferovic uh, got the assist from uh, from Tarabt um, to put Benfica three nothing going into the locker room. Cristiano, there was, there was three. Th there was a couple of things before you ask a question. One, I was yeah. going to ask you: wasn't there? 
there was a controversial play that the game was stopped for a while to get the goalie some assistance uh, on a possible penalty over Volchmitt. So I, I want yeah. one question I was going to say. That was question one. What do you guys think? Was that a PK in your mind or do you, you think it was a good play on? That's number one. And, and, and the second point I was going to make was, uh, look, whether they got a red card or not, they just they came up against the 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 great Sferovic this week. And I mean, they came in against that bus. So and I think with with 12, 15 players on the field, they weren't going to stop the great Sferovic. Sferovic had the greatest performance in the history of Sferovic. I think uh, the only glorious, more glorious night he had might have been the one he made his baby that night. Until then, this is the best uh, outing he's ever put up. So it uh, didn't matter, red card or no red card. Uh, initially, um, I didn't think it was a. I didn't think it was a PK because they only showed the angle in which he, he collides. He collides with the goalie as the goalie coming out for the ball. But now, before. Mm-hmm. where they've shown the before, where they actually have a defender that gives him a shove Hip that check. that gets him to collide with the goalie. And we've seen those for Sporting. We've seen those for Porto being called. But the fact that they didn't call, get called for Benfica, for, for me, after seeing that uh, additional footage, I think it's a penalty because um, Walshmith is impeded from making a challenge, a fair challenge on the ball. Uh, and granted, in the run of play, it might have looked like just a, a collision with the goalie. But, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that there's a push there. Um, and then what I wanted to ask you, Chris, another change that has been operated by JJ is the fact that he's taken out Darwin. Right. Because up until this point or up until this run, it always had been Darwin and Seferovic, two guys with similar characteristics and really empathic fathers. Right. <laughs> really. And it looks like now with Seferovic playing as the lone striker and probably something in a supporter, a supportive role as Walshmith has had. Very similar to what Juan Felix used to do. He used to be the guy that goes in between lines, carries the ball, makes the combinations. Now we're seeing the best of, of Seferovic, really. And a lot of that, you know, the fact that he's playing by my, by himself and then the buildup in confidence that he has gotten to right now, he's, like you said, he's playing his best football at Benfica. Yeah, but also... Benfica did change their strategy, change their formation from a four-four-two to a three-five-one or three-four-three or whatever, which it, it just required a one lone man up top. There was no need for for a second guy. And now you have a Walshman who's playing on the left. You got a Rafa's playing on the right. And like you said, they're playing in a supportive role. And look, they've all picked up their games. Walshman could still be a little bit more influential. Could be a lot better on the ball. He's another guy that that misses a ton of chances. But nonetheless, uh, <clears throat> now we're you know we're able to miss six of the ten, where before we're missing nine of the ten opportunities. And I think that's the difference with this club. And the confidence level has definitely uh, risen by these players, and it's fantastic to see. I'm just surprised that you guys you know aren't still. A upset that Gonzalo Rums is not getting any more playing time. I mean, uh, I'm just, you know, wondering uh, when, when those when those uh, arguments will get back to the podcast. I mean, I know I've been missing. I was just, you, you know, know, he scored two goals for the B team, right? Yeah. Yeah. For the B team. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. Uh-huh. <clears throat> let, let him keep growing on a B team. Absolutely. I agree. 100 percent. 
but that, you guys wanted him to start over Sferovic because Sferovic wasn't doing nothing, apparently. No, but, but I don't know. I've I, been gone, so maybe you guys have uh, have made peace with yourselves with that. No, no. Know. What what I what I wanted was if the guys that are playing are not working, give somebody else a chance. That was my whole argument, regardless of whether it was Gonzalo Ramos or 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 whoever it was. Uh, if it's not working, and look, it wasn't working. JJ went to just Seferovic, put gave look, Darwin time on a bench, and has worked. Alfredo, here's the thing: in all seriousness, right? As much you know, I love JJ. Forget the whole Gonzalo Ramos. Forget the Darwin. The question here is: Did JJ go solely to Seferovic because he believed that that was the right path, or did he make that switch because Darwin? We all know he picked up a knock. He's been, you know, he hasn't been the same player. He was there was some type of injury. That's the question. If JJ made that decision on his own, he just felt like this is. Then you know what? I tip my cap to him, and he deserves even more credit. And if it was like yo, accidental, <laughs> the guy's not available anyway. So uh, you know, I can't really give you much. Uh, he's much he's grace. he's managed to get the best out of Seferovi. I'll give him. I'll give him that much, right? So regardless, Dave, are you feeling good right now? Are you able to wear the Seferovi jersey out? Yeah, as president of the uh, Seferovic uh, fan club, admissions have never been higher. Uh, a lot of people trying to get on the uh, the Seferovic bandwagon, but uh, no, he's uh, he's definitely on form uh, right now, and we just need to appreciate it because we know, hopefully not uh, this season, but uh, we know that uh, the six or eight misses are are just around the the corner. So just enjoy it while uh, while we can. I mean, can, Dave. Based solely on current form, it's definitely got to be uh, uh, in the history of four teams. It's got to be him, Johan Cruyff, and Thierry Henry, right? But he's definitely at the top. Based on Cruyff, it's him, followed by who you put, uh, your, uh, Cruyff, right? Cruyff for sure. And then Thierry. Those are the best four teams in, in, in the history of football, right? You're going to leave out Maxi Pereira out of that list, uh, Chris? He comes right after Thierry. <laughs> he comes right out. He's, you know, Thierry did score a goal in a hand with his hand against what is it, Ireland or whatever, qualify uh, Germany for the for the World Cup. So he he, he gets put above uh, Moxie. But that's the only reason. But it's definitely Sferovic, Cruyff, Thierry, and then Moxie. Hey, I'm 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 happy to ride the Sferovic uh, bandwagon. Um, I'm and I'm happy that he's now uh, in 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 first place in in the best scorers in the Liga Nosh. I'm happy no, for tied. him, man. He's tied. He's tied with Gonzalo, but the but he's got. But less he's games. got less games. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, I'm 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 happy, and I think that as long as he continues to score, Benfica continues to win. That's the most important thing to me. All um, I know is that Benfica spent 22, 22 and twenty five, forty seven million on two guys that have nothing to do with this team. That's that that goes to show you how deep of our roster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was ever anticipated, but it's just crazy. That we've gone on this streak, and Darwin has really had no say, and even Everton—that's, you know, it's forty-seven million right there uh, on players that are just warming up the bench. But nonetheless, the guys that were here before, I think Peasy's a little unhappy. Uh, hasn't gotten that much playing time. You can tell he's not that 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 chippy, that that happy, go lucky guy on the sidelines. I wouldn't be neither if I was on the bench, but. As these guys are playing and, and they've all found some rhythm, they've all found some comfortability with one another. It's it's you know as a Benfica as a Benfica fan, you always want these guys to win, and it's a joy to watch. It's a joy to watch, and is there's a handful of games left, man, and and uh, it's still a lot of company not that'll be played, and I think it's going to be very interesting coming down the stretch. 
Yeah, I think that at this point, nobody's really questioning JJ's choices as long as the team is winning and, and, and winning the way they are. Um, but well, they, uh, question, they question his comments after the game. I guess <laughs> he had something to say about... Uh, Yustaki. Yeah, look, the guy's not the best communicator. Uh, and, and I think that uh, we all understand uh, that. And I think that you, there's not much you could expect from JJ in, in terms of being a good communicator or he will get misinterpreted all the time and he will be misunderstood mostly all the time. Um, but that's, that's the man that he is. That's the type of guy that he is. He's the guy that doesn't, you know, it's not the most educated guy in the world. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And I think that when you win games, <laughs> but I, I'd like to know what his intentions were behind those uh, comments at, at the end. Yeah, of the look, um, keep your comments about other players and other coaches to yourself. Talk about your team. Talk about your players, man. You know, I, I got think a that's... phone call today. I got a phone call today. Someone criticizing that and ripping them because they said, The one play I haven't forgotten was the Taremi read against Otamendi at the Dragon, and he was quiet. That's when he should have bitched and complained. He didn't say nothing, and now he says something against Stocky. So the guy had a problem, and I said at the time, if he wasn't really winning, the guy had nothing to say. Yeah. He, was just, he was lucky to get out, of it, happy that he got out without a loss, and now he's winning. He's just like, guys, I'm going to get You know, when the rooster's going good, they, they wake up every day at 5 o'clock in the morning. When things are tough, they try to stay in bed a little bit longer. Yeah. Befica added uh, two more goals in the in the second half, and the last one being by Darwin. And we saw uh, an ex, an ex, No, I, I didn't cry, but uh, there was an emotional display by, by Darwin. Obviously, he shed some tears. Um, but look, <laughs> I didn't did cry. Think, did, he, did he think he was I, ever going to score a goal again? That- <laughs> I didn't cry, but I can't help but to think about um what the guy has gone through in terms of personally right the personal struggle that he's had the heavy price tag in which he came uh the big expectations um the hope from him that this is going to be his chance the fact that he, things haven't gone well and he's he has failed he hasn't made the most out of his opportunities then there's that anxiety of looking for the goal going into a rut of fame, uh, I mean, a form, uh, and you go from a point where you're not scoring, but you're at least assisting. So you're at least contributing to the team, to the ball getting to your feet, and you're completely destroying the flow of play. So, I mean, when you when you see a guy like that, look, there, there's um, the, the human in me, uh, right, Um Feels bad, feels bad for the guy for everything that he's gone through. And we always, as humans, always, we always like the feel good story. We always like the underdog, uh, story at the end. Um, and I think that, you know, when, when you see this type of emotion from, from Darwin, you really have a feeling for what his intentions are. And he had every good intention at Benfica and he, he cares. Um, 
what's his RDT? We saw a lot from him. He struggled, but we never saw an outpour of emotion from him. And perhaps this is just a comparison that I brought down. Perhaps that's not, that's not the biggest comparison. But when you look at the emotional display that Darwin put, um, you can't help but to think that the guy really feels that he's failing his teammates and, and, but he's also failing personally to the goals that he had set for himself. I don't know, Cristiano. I know that you have a different opinion because you feel he's somewhat I wanna, limited. I want to cry. I want to cry. You're making me cry that you feel this way. But I don't want to try to sound insensitive as a prick. But what you just described is a player I don't want on my team. He's mentally weak. Get out. I mean, they all mean well. If you're going to go based on that, did you feel bad for Andrea Orta, who's been a Benfica kid his whole life? I did. shipped out? Right? I mean, I, do you feel bad for, for Ferreira who comes in? He doesn't play. You don't think he feels it? I did. <laughs> okay. So I, I felt I felt bad for Ferreira because I always felt that he was uh, underutilized. They all have the backstory that as humans, right, we're going to care because at the end of the day, we're human beings and we care about other human beings. But in terms of football, if after a couple months you're this distraught that you're crying to – Bro, if you can't take the heat, my man, you should not be a cook. You know what I'm saying? Go downstairs to the basement, peel the potatoes, and let everybody else cook the sopa. You know what I mean? But you're just not meant for that. It's just I, I don't mean to be insensitive because I understand we all got personal, you know, feelings behind these things. We all have reasons. But every single player on this roster has their own story. I've told you about the story about Adel Terap. Yeah, nobody cares about Adel Terap. My man was depressed and taking anti-depressed pills and the guy wanted to retire. Nobody cares about him. Why not? The guy turned his whole career around. But nobody cares about him. But be this pretty. It's just, uh, man, there's excuses after. It's amazing. When Bifikistas like a player, they, they every excuse in the book. When they don't like him, forget about him. Bro, every player that's failed at Benfica, I'm pretty sure they all had terrible feelings inside they all wanted to be positive you know they all wanted to contribute alfredo we play football you never want to let your teammates down regardless if you're the star or you're the bum you're the guy that's getting the last minutes even you. Well, some, some guys don't care about their teammates or their I team mean, there's i mean there's how do i put it? alfredo i think any player could say they don't care about their teammate but deep down inside when they sit down in the room and they look themselves in the mirror those guys have that come to Jesus moment. And even they realize like, yo, I'm letting these guys down. Maybe they, at the end of the day, they just care more about themselves to the point. Like, I'm not going to show it, but deep down inside, you never want to let your teammates down. Alfredo at the end of the day, the biggest sign of respect is from your teammates. It's not from anybody else. Dave, Dave, did you you shed a tear? Dave, I didn't prick. You think I'm being a prick? I, or? I, I don't think you're being a prick based on uh, our WhatsApp chats. Maybe that's why Darwin was crying. Somebody leaked our WhatsApp chats to uh, to him, and he saw what uh, Cristiano has been saying. Stop, uh, Dave. Stop, because yeah. I've been corrected. A long time ago, Alfredo said never. And Alfredo, I don't listen, but that time I never, right? I left it alone. I've been I've been uh, banging that drum for you ever since on the uh, on the chats. But, but no, I did not cry. Um Chris has kind of swayed me on uh, on that side of the bandwagon now, though. But uh, it's not like he was dealing with an illness and yeah. he's been month. He's been off for a year, and this is his grand return. Man, nobody was crying first when Seferovic, uh, my boy, was missing a uh, hundred chances a game, and now he's putting him away. Nobody's crying for him. So Seferovic, there's, there's, 
As yeah, far- we got a kid to feed. We don't even think Doran's got a kid. I mean, you know. Guys, I think he's got another one on the way. So I think whenever uh, Seferovic has a baby on the way, you know, he's he's got to put some uh, goals in the back of the net to uh, start uh, start feeding the, the kids at home. But- what he needs to do is regrow that Toto. Get that hair. He's like Samson in the Lila, right? When he the, cuts- sam- the samurai. When he, no, when he lost his hair. You know, you ever watch Samson and the Lila? Alfredo, what's it called? Yes. Yes, that's I don't it. know the pro. When he cut his hair, he lost his yes. strength, and I think that's what happened. Yeah. I think the guy's crying because now his hair don't grow back. You know what I mean? I, it's just- I, I think that that moment tugged at my heartstrings. That's all I could say, and um, I can't say that it's because uh, I've had high expectations from him, and I always pulled for him to do well, uh, despite seeing seeing some things that weren't right. Uh, but I think that that emotional moment tugged a little bit of my heartstrings. You cry for Vlacodimos? <laughs> no, fuck no. I don't feel bad for Vlacodimos, especially what about, what about after. Andre Almeida tore his knee and he's been here for like 32 years. I feel bad for Andre Almeida. Okay. Yeah, right. I feel bad for him that he tore his knee. Varela? Oof. No, not Varela. I don't feel bad for Varela. <laughs> what about the I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad for, for Pizzi either that he's getting benched. What about the Liska? You think the Liska cared? For once Kali- Kaliska doesn't doesn't care one bit. He don't care. That's that that guy. He said bit. he was dying to leave, and then he nah. scored a goal, and then he's like, ah. He doesn't. Guy, he didn't care that guy one bit. Not care. That guy might have. Um, I think you didn't care back in the days. Who did? You didn't. You didn't care. He just cared about his those guys family. were stone cold killers. <laughs> there was guy. no emotion from those dudes. <laughs> that guy left. Him and Kulkov, man, they, they didn't give they, a fuck. They left and went to play for Porto. He ran somebody over. The next day, he was in the game. He's in the field. You <laughs> yeah. ran somebody over, right, in Portugal? Yeah, those guys, yeah, those guys were stone-cold killers. Him and Kulkov were stone-cold killers, those man. They were machines. bro. Those guys That's right. <laughs> they were machines. Um, but anyway, important three points for, for Benfica because it's it's extremely important for Benfica to to keep with the with the the other two, uh, especially with Porto being involved in European competition, which that ended um, today, obviously. But uh, all that sooner or later is going to catch up to uh, Porto in terms of the team being in good physical shape and being able to handle the volume of games. Uh, and then Porto, I mean, Sporting having the two ties, uh, yeah. so it's it's important. I'm okay. not yet hopeful, but certainly. <laughs> Unfortunately, Porto could have got on to play 10 games a week. I mean, the referees don't get tired. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, good call. Good call. Uh, I, I had actually had expected Porto because what happens usually when they play during in Europe and they have a really good game in Europe, they usually shit the bed over the weekend. But they have they have s- squeezed out results and uh and sporting now everybody's up in arms and oh it did people are trying to steal the championship from sporting this and that blah 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 but well, you know it is what it is um dave stats on this game so we could uh we could move on to feed those uh conspiracy uh theories about <laughs> uh trying to steal the uh this championship the three of the last four games Benfica's benefited from their uh, opposition receiving a red card in the first half. So we're not getting these uh, penalty calls, but uh, I guess the cash is going towards uh, red cards uh, this year. Uh, Seferovic with the brace brings his goal tally to 20 across all competitions. Uh, what, at the end of the game, he was a uh, sole leader, but uh, Pedro Gonzalez of Sporting later scored later on. Uh, and so they're both tied at 16 apiece. 
Darwin returns to the score sheet for the first time since uh, February 11th. And uh, we made mention to it earlier, but with another clean sheet, uh, Helton and Benfica now hold the record for most uh, consecutive minutes without conceding a goal this season in Europe. Uh, they passed Manchester City's record of 602 minutes without conceding, and they're currently at 680 and uh, and counting. Yep, those are those are the stone cold numbers. Good defense. Several yeah, we weeks from, scoring a lot of goals. <laughs> we go from conceding two goals a game, and now we're we got this record of of uh, minutes without conceding. So. But that's, you know, but as you're looking at this team, and as Cristiano alluded to before, uh, this is the typical JJ team. Very stingy uh, in terms of giving up goals and also uh, good output machine. Uh, and I think I read something on the ball today that he's about to hit the 100-goal mark or he's on which target. He's to always, hit the, which he's never felt. He's always, right, which he's always done at Benfica. And correct. that's amazing. Through a shit season, they're about to, <laughs> to hit that as well. And it's yeah, not and, like, and it doesn't seem, I mean, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem there's been Gugliadas left. There has been many five, none, right? It's, it's been like three twos. I guess he's scoring three goals a game, but it's still, it, it hasn't been those those shellackings that we've grown yeah. accustomed to previous seasons. It certainly hasn't been a 10 nothing win over in the Sinal. But up next, we got Gil Vicente. Gil Vicente will come to Stade Luz to play Benfica on Saturday, 6 p.m. local. So uh, a little bit of a daylight game there. Dave, what's uh, what's Gil Vicente been up to? They haven't been doing all that bad. They're mid-table, I believe. Mid-table, but there's huge conge- congestion there between uh, ninth and uh, tenth place there. So they're they're in tenth, uh, sorry, ninth and last place right now. They're in tenth with 28 points from eight wins, four draws, uh, 14 losses. But like I uh, alluded to, only eight points separate uh, ninth place from uh, last place. So Porto Menezes has 29 points in ninth, and Nacional has uh, 21. So Bid, a big congestion there in the uh, middle of the table. Uh, they come into this match winning uh, three of their last four matches. Historically, uh, it's been positive for us. 33 wins, seven draws, four losses. Last time we've dropped points against them was February 14th, or February 2014. And last time we failed to beat the uh, Jovi Vicente at home was August 2005. Yeah. Look, it's another game that we have to win, plain and simple. No, nothing more to it. And I know that uh, their coach, uh, Suarez, is a, is a good coach and sets up teams well. Uh, but the way that Benfica has been playing, I see no reason why Benfica shouldn't um, continue to build up on their momentum. Uh, that game against, um, was it Maritim, when we came back from, from the break, was a little bit uncharacteristic from Benfica up until what we have been doing uh, to the international break, but certainly a game that we expected the team to have from two weeks off uh, without competition. Uh, but now in this game, it looks like we're building up a little bit more momentum. And I think that if we continue to build up this momentum, there's no reason. And I think that Cristiano's already said this year that, uh, or, or either you or Dave, uh, that Benfica is going to win the rest of the games th- this season. No, what I said was Benfica was not going to lose another game the rest of the season. Yeah. And they haven't. A couple of draws and all victories after that. But look, 
if he has their destiny in their own hands, obviously. Well, for second place, place, at least. Yes, yes. Obviously, first place is a tough field to climb, and uh, Benfica needs a lot more help. But that second place in the automatic uh, qualification spot in next year's Champions League, the only important automatic as after what we saw this past summer against Paoca, not moments we want to relive once again. So those points, uh, that destiny is in Benfica's hands. Uh, Benfica wins out their remaining games. They obviously have to play football with the Porto, beating them. They overtake them in the standings uh, because of the nil-nil draw at the at the Dragão. Uh, so there's still very important points to be played for, and hopefully the, the other guys at the front trip up and make things a lot more interesting. But, uh, you know, after the tough, tough road, after the disastrous results that we had in the beginning and even in later in, in the middle part of the season, uh, not that you're ever content with the second place, but if you're able to right the ship and uh, some way, somehow uh, able to, to, at the very least, get that second place, it'll go from being a disastrous season to just a bad season. Hopefully we get to connect with at the end of the year, Tasa Portugal against Braga, and it'll just be, you know, a, a, a bad season as opposed to a disastrous season. So obviously the, the outlook can be uh, changed, but, Nonetheless, they still have to to win the games, and they're still very important games. And hopefully, they 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 hold up there in their bargain. Chris, uh, consider everything that's happened, and now that we somewhat have validation to JJ's um, statements about COVID, right? Um, do you think that uh, second place in the Tasa de Portugal is very much reachable? Yes. And, and, and you think it's yes. it, you could consider the season a success? No, I just I, I don't like I said it's not a success. I just finished saying it, 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 if Benfica finishes third and does and loses the doesn't win the Tasa Portugal and loses the Braga it'll be disastrous. It'll be a disastrous season. But if somehow some way they win the Tasa finish second, it'll just be you know a bad season. You know, it'll be about, I guess the only light at the end of the tunnel will be the fact that Benfica wins the Tasa Portugal, which we've only won, what, four in the last 30 years. I mean, that's that's something to be happy about. But as far as the season in itself, it'll still be, at the very least, a C minus. It won't be a positive grade, in my opinion. Right. And that's only because we went, you know, we had a really tough stretch where this club looked like they, they didn't know how to play football. You know? But again, after the investment with the players and in the league, with the when you consider the remaining of the competition, this team has an obligation to be within the top three. That's why third spot is it's disastrous. Second place, it won't be good. But considering that we're able to rebound and and, and, and turn things around and finish with the Tasa Portugal, it, it it'll be you know it, it'll be from it'll go from disastrous to to just a bad season. What do you think, Dave? Uh, as much as people hate using COVID as the uh, the excuse, just looking back on how many people we lost there, and now you can see it, right? We got a full healthy squad. We we were seeing the uh, the days in between where we were able to practice, and these players are getting used to one another. When we were we were in the dead of uh, COVID with this uh, this team, we had players that had never played with each other before and how were, how were, how would we be expecting them to be clicking on all all cylinders they were just putting people left right and center just to fill positions on this this team right so i think people don't like using that excuse of of covid 
uh, for the struggles there in, in January and February, but it, it's definitely got to be uh, one of the, the, the top uh, excuses for that, that poor stretch there. No, I mean, what has gone on uh, since the team got back to 100% has basically validated JJ's statements. But, but yeah, there, there was some misses in the beginning of the season that came right before that COVID. Yeah, the beginning of the season, the 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 the, the, the losing of Bauk, right? That's not COVID-related. The loss to Braga, the loss I mean, to the, Bovista. The, the only thing I could say with those, well, loss to, to, to Bovista came first. The only thing I could say with that, if you really want to tie COVID back into it, was the fact that they didn't have the regular preseason that these guys are accustomed to. And so it might have taken JJ a little bit longer to implement a system to get these guys out. Because remember, at the time, there was guys practicing on this side of the field, there's guys on that field. But to me, uh, it's still inexcusable that Benfica lose a game like they did to Bauk. Now, yep. I think I think even the biggest JJ haters, <clears throat> haters, deep down inside, they understand and they know, they know that if there was a second leg, Benfica would have won that game 3-0 at the side of the loose. But there wasn't. And unfortunately, Benfica didn't have an opportunity to turn that 2-1 to result into a positive one. And they should have attacked it with the right mentality. And J.J. did it. And that's something that we, as, as much as I like the guy, I have to criticize him on because he's responsible for that. At the end of the day, Benfica didn't advance. So somebody has to take the blame, and rightfully so, and it's him. He's the face of, of the team. He's the guy that put the, you know, because there's, uh, if you look at the roster, if you look at the lineup, I don't even think it was Benfica's best 11. I thought he was going to, you know, he came in overconfident from Brazil, having conquered almighty South America, right? And and I think he figured uh, my tactics alone are just going to be able to beat this little all Greek team. And, and, and obviously it came right back in his face. He spit up in the air, it's going to land somewhere and it landed right back in his face. And yeah. so I think those results, Alfredo, you definitely have to put it on him, hundred percent. And anybody that tells you no, I think it's just you know maybe his mom and his wife. But besides that, anybody realistically will tell you that it's on him. But then the results we saw thereafter, when a lot of people were saying that COVID had nothing to do with it, was an excuse because other teams were getting it. Yeah, but other teams were getting one, two players. We think they had a, at one point what like eleven guys out, right? They had a yeah. bunch of guys out. More, and then, I think, at <clears> one point. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm I, I'm surprised that this is not a bigger topic in world sport. And as we all know, I'm one of those guys like, 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 like Luis Viviera and JJ, Quarta Classe, Ija Shiga, right? I'm no, no, no brainiac here, but I'm surprised that there aren't studies and there's not more chatter about this because Cristiano Oliveira making his own independent, uh, you know, study, right? Uh, I've noticed in, in, in baseball, in basketball, in hockey, obviously baseball, the guys don't have to run a lot. But still, you can tell the guys that have gone through COVID and came back, they weren't exactly the same players for a good two months, month and a half. So I'm surprised that there's not more chatter, that it takes guys a little bit of, you know, a period to recover, to get back. And, and, and I think Darwin said he wasn't the same. I think Svetovic did say at one point he didn't have the same strength. He didn't have the same energy. And I'm just surprised that th that's not more, you know, that's not talked about more often. So not only were 11 playing, like Dave said, even more, I forget the exact number now, right? There was a shitload of players out at one point for Benfica, but it's, it's not just the out. These guys were coming back and it wasn't like, okay, they're right back to being in tip top form. 
it took those guys a while to get back into the rhythm, to get back into shape. So, I, look, it, it had an effect. And it obviously affected every other team in the league as well because I think at one point every team in the league had players out, but not the huge number that Benfica did. And so that's why I think it's impacted Benfica tremendously. And not just on the field, not just on options on game day, but also on the fact that you were not able to train. And, and, and Alfredo, you and I have had this conversation when you went through a period where you were not content with JJ, right? And I remember speaking to you like it was yesterday. And you even agreed with me when I said to you, yo, say what you want about JJ. This is unlike JJ seems. He doesn't lead goals. And you agreed. Remember, Alfredo? Oh, yeah. Which was like, yo, maybe, just maybe, the not practicing thing is having a bigger impact than what we realized. And now, as you've rightfully said, fast forward four months, and you see the way this team's playing, and it validates all those things. So I know there's still people that will go clowning, you know, the, the situation. and But that's just, you know, when you don't like a person, you're going to do everything you can to discredit everything he's done. But at the end of the day, I, I, look, man, let, let's 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 give it another crack. I know there's still there's still a lot of games to be played. And I think right now everybody's relatively healthy. Andre Almeida's coming back. The machine. I know this week Gabriel will be back. Uh, Samadis is the only guy that's out. Santos is coming back. Grimaldo will be healthy, and, and I think Gabriel, from what I read, is back. You're going to have more options. Not that Gabriel should not be playing at this point. Uh, Santos, same thing. But we'll see what happens. I mean, it'll be very interesting, but I like where this team is at right now. And that's because they're practicing, and that's because, more importantly, these guys are healthy. They've gotten over the COVID situation and whatever tactics and you know whatever jj is implementing these guys are following it to a t and so the confidence level is very high we talked about the the results that they were getting when it was draws one one draw zero zero draw when there was questionable penalties and all of a sudden you get that even though they didn't play well but i think benfica and i'm not being one of these guys that's crying over spoiled milk but there was a lot of times where there were plays that could have gone in benfica's favor and even though you play terrible Right. But you win one zero on a penalty. It's still you stringing along wins. You're still gaining confidence and you see how this team is playing with a totally different uh, confidence level. So, you know, whatever. Who sent those, bro? I'm sorry. Who sent those? Oh, did I say Santos? <laughs> Who sent? He said Santos a couple times. I said Nuno Santos. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, Nunesons used to play. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't <laughs> look, dude. I, I agree yeah. with you, man. I think that Benfica is uh, is is probably picking up speed at the at the right time to make a respectable run, and we need to continue winning games. That's that's the most important thing. We need to continue winning games, and at the end of the season, we need to win that Portuguese Cup. That to me, uh, that is the very minimum the that I could ask for from this team. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, anyway, uh, that is all that we have uh, for this week. Uh, Benfica will play Gil Vicente next week, as we mentioned. Then we have Portimonense, we have Santa Clara, we have Tondela, and then we have uh, Porto as we get into uh, the second week of May. Uh, so, But before we get that, we can't look too far ahead. We got to beat the 
the, the teams that are in front of us each week. Um, that's pretty much it. That's all we got for this week. At 10CO10, at 87DO87, at Bifika Podcast is where you can find us on Twitter uh, and everywhere else. Uh, thank you for checking us out. Don't forget to check out uh, Bifika Independent, as always, as, uh, as there's a lot of good content on there lately. Yep. Um, and that's it. I just Any, want to say, uh, Xander, it's good yeah. to have you back, man. Thank you, man. I'm glad to be back. Happy. Very, very happy to be back. And just want to let you guys, listeners, know, please spread the word. Dave and I are going to start a GoFundMe to get Alfredo a, 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 a Darwin shirt, you know, with a, with a teardrop in the back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the Darwin shirt. And then the name says Crybaby. No, instead just of Darwin. having a, uh, just but instead Darwin, of Darwin, cry baby. No, Darwin, you know, it's got that that thing over the wind, right? Just put a tear, like just, put a, just <laughs> like a prison tattoo. Yeah, yeah, tear right over that. Just to, all right, everybody. Thanks for checking us out. Hey, we'll be back next week. Take care, everyone. Peace. Later. <laughs>